building your um, support system, that's something that has gotten me through every dark spot in my life was God always sent me at least one person who that person ended up hoping to open the doors to the support that I really needed. But having a, a strong support system, building one, if you don't know how to build a support system, I would say look at what your overall goal is. First, you have to get clear on where you want to go first in life. If you don't have that clarity for yourself, you're just going to be um, persuaded and misled to and fro like the wind, you know, and not really knowing where you're going in life. And I think that's one of the biggest reasons why people are so unfulfilled and unhappy in their lives. And then they have all this time now to be jealous of those that are pursuing their courageous because they are lacking this for themselves. Welcome to Making the Change, Optimize Your Health and Mind, where we explore the latest research and expert insights on how to take charge of your health and happiness. I'm Dr. Dave. I'm a board-certified physician and an integrative medicine expert. So join me as we learn how to thrive physically, mentally, and emotionally in the next phase of our lives. So let's go dive into today's episode. Hello, everybody. Dr. Dave, making the change, optimize your health and mind. And today, my guest host um, is Tanisha Ave. She's a proud mother, but founder of the Spa Ave. She has her own consulting company, Vision with Tanisha. BWT Consulting, uh, a behavioral health technician, and a motivational speaker. So you do a lot. Um, so uh, we've been talking for a while on the phone. Today is the first day that we met in person. So thank you for coming in. Um, and I was talking to you before, and I didn't go into detail with anything because I just found it would be so interesting. I thought that we could do it for the podcast. So this podcast is about making the change in your life. Um, that one point that you had that you said, you know what, got to change. I got to make a difference. And then those changes are the steps that you've taken to get there. And then what else are you doing? So how are you giving back to the community? That's basically what my podcast is about. I want to hear people get inspired from your story. Um, and you do a lot of things that are inspiring people to be, to begin with. So I think this kind of goes hand in hand with what you're trying to do. So um, we spoke earlier about uh, being from Ohio. So tell me how being brought up in Ohio kind of has shaped your life to get started. Wow. Uh, well, Ohio is um, very industry Pacific related in order to be able to flourish um, in, in that uh, state. I would say there is a lot of industrial. Ohio is known for um, one of the things is known for is the GM plant that Obama had to bail out. <laughs> and um, another thing it's mainly known for is the steel city because there's a lot of uh, steel uh, companies there as a lot of factories. So it's very industrial based. Um, I did try it a little bit, you know, back in my heyday where I really was just wandering around trying to figure it out. Get your hands dirty. Yes. <laughs> hands dirty. <laughs> and I realized, oh, this is not for me. So... I, at some point, eventually started um, traveling out the state. And um, it was interesting during that time because what shaped me was um, a lot of the upbringing. I grew up, you know, just in a very um, unhealthy tox toxicity uh, within the family dynamics. Um, All right. So let, let's go into that a little bit, right? Because that's definitely shaping 
who you are. So yes. tell me a little bit about this family toxicity. We all have it. Yes. Um, some of us worse than others, uh, but uh, most of us are able to use that as a way to improve ourselves. So how did this toxicity, tell me about the toxicity and then how it shaped you. So the dysfunction is, um, I'm very, first of all, I'm very proud of where I come from. I will never forget it. I think the moment that we do tend to forget that is the moment we lose sight of our purpose and where we're going. Um, so I'm very grateful for that upbringing, um, which the dysfunction, it was a lot of um, drug and alcohol abuse. Um, I grew up seeing a lot of uh, physical abuse between my parents. Um, so I remember just a lot of um, seeing a lot of dysfunction. And, and during those times, there was barely um, like women's shelters that were in place at the time. Um, so I remember my mom having to take me and my brothers um, kind of regularly on a regular basis to these shelters and things where we, you know, she would stay separated for a period of time from my father. And uh, eventually she filed for divorce and moved us to Kentucky. But I think the trauma still continued because uh, just of the lack of um, lack of clarity that my my parents were taught, you know, and how like I, I truly believe and know that my parents did mean the best for me for what tools they understood to have. Well, we all know, right? There's no instruction booklet for parenting. Yes. Uh, and unless you have the perfect parents, which nobody has, there's no real model to follow. So we kind of have to shape it according to our life experiences. So it's not, not always the best thing, which is kind of like where I think you're getting at, that your, your parents didn't have that model. No. And so no. they were kind of on their own. And then you had to deal with that. Because of my family, mental uh, illness was very prevalent um, from my grandparents, both my, my sides, both my mother and my father's uh, mothers uh, struggled with mental health illnesses as well as their siblings as well. And then when you combine that with alcohol and drug usage, it was a recipe for, um, we got together frequently, but it often ended in a lot of disasters um, and added, I think, even more trauma. Um, to the mixture. And my mom, she did the best she could, which was escaping, you know, um, to try to give us a better life. But um, again, those behaviors, some of the things were still going, uh, taking place in the uh, in the new states or whatever. And unfortunately, my mother uh, went through her first round of cancer, where so she got cancer the first time. And so we ended up- What going, type of cancer? Um, the first cancer uh, that she had was um, uterine cancer. Um, so they did, uh, um, where they removed her, um, hysterectomy. hysterectomy. And so during that time we had to go back to live with my father, um, back with my main family in Ohio. And, um, it was, it was a great time as cousins. Um, with me and my cousins, we grew up very, very close. Um, I, I always remember having that, that part of the beauty of our family environment was that was our escapism. The cousins, we would get together and we would just love to be outside and escape into whatever realm we needed to. Back in the day when kids used to actually, you know, Um, But unfortunately, all of the cousins, especially my female cousins, um, we were growing up being sexually abused as well. So we kind of stuck together to try to like, I guess, empower each other at that time to try to like, um, how to say, um, 
just care for one another. Like, oh, because it was happening sometimes together in, in groups. So we would just collectively just try to heal one another. We didn't know that's what we were doing, but it definitely brought us together a lot, I think, closer than the average. How old were you when this was happening? It's, well, it started when I was five, but I remember it started when we were young, like five, my first memory. And I, it continued up until we were like young adults, like 11, 12, 13 years oh, old. Oh my goodness. Yeah. And back in the time you're taught, don't, you don't say, you don't talk about those things. Who can you talk about anyway? I mean, who would believe you? And our parents had their own problems. Like we were growing up watching our parents have problems. And so now these were our problems. So, um, and then plus the shame of, you know, it's within the family. So if you go tell someone, you're pro- it's probably going to be some kind of backlash because how dare you go against your uncles or your, or your cousins, your old, whatever, you know what I'm saying? So. Um, it was very taboo. We didn't talk about those things until as we got older. Now me and my female cousins were still close to this day. It was something that we trauma bonded through and we still discuss it, you know, from a more of a healed perspective on, on what we went through. Um, but I have, a, I have a question. Okay, so yeah. so you, you discussed it now as part of the healing or that yes. it's already completed yeah. healing with some of you. But I'm sure you have some cousins that struggling still with that, right? Or did you all make it out and you all supported each other and you, you gave your, yourselves that chance? Is anybody still lingering with these feelings uh, that it has impacted their life that they're not able to get out of their own way? That's a um, really good question. I think yes and no. Um, I have unofficially been dubbed the family therapist. <laughs> They do tend to um, rehash it more so with me. I think I'm one of the one person that, of course, because I've been through it, so they trust me. Um, but I would say some of them were able to get out their own way. And then some of them, I think they may have continued to harbor some resentments and anger and bitterness. But um, I thank God for just allowing me to be healed enough to use me as an encouragement and encouraging uh, just to let them know to seek healing, but not in a non, you know, judgmental way, but just saying, hey, these are the tools. This is what's helping me. It's not good for us to operate in that space of that negative energy holding on to the past, um, especially as women, we are, all of us in our, in our family are mothers. And, you know, if we can't find the strength for ourselves, we have to at least find the strength for them, for our children the next generation, because that's what's up to back behind us. And we have to be responsible for our generation and making the change and breaking those generational curses to be the first, put some respect on our family name. You know, if not us, who? Who then? Who was going to do it for us? Love that word, making the change. Uh, I, and I think you bring out a good point. Um, being together and, and going through it together and healing with each other. Um, I think your family has that advantage because a lot of times you get isolated when these Mm -hmm. things happen or you're too embarrassed to tell your family that might help you through these situations. Like you said, you bring shame and all of that. And if you don't have someone to confide in, this just keeps happening time and time again. And there has to be some time in your life that you say, you know what? I'm done. I'm going to make sure that this doesn't happen to my kids. Mm -hmm. And I think that's kind of, good to hear that's where you came from and 
that's what where you've gone. So that's pretty traumatic uh, getting through that. So what was that next step that brought you uh, to? Well, I wish I could say it was all uh, sunshine and and roses after that, um, because I I went through a period of chapters um, as a young adult where I just made a lot of bad decisions. There was a lot of anger, um, a lot of pain that at some point I didn't even want to live. I was just counting down the days, you know, so I thought I was crazy. You know, why did this happen to me? I kept asking God, why, why, you know? And um, so it definitely questioned my faith too, although I was brought up in a very religious strict household, it, it did still lead me to question, you know, at that time, you know, why God, you know? Um, but eventually, um, so after a lot of the bad decisions that led to a lot of brokenness, learning how when you're unhealed, you, you're attracting more unhealed people and, and circumstances, and you think you're escaping this, right? And it's kind of fun in the beginning because you found the new escapism. But then after a while, that gets pretty bad, too, because you're like, wait a minute. So this isn't working anymore. Like now I feel even more shame because now I have a new bad habit on top of the pain. And so escapism was my was my thing for a while. I was a professional runner. I learned how to I think that actually helped me a little bit in to pushing me out into traveling because I was always looking for that and next run out, you know, where can I go next? You know, so I don't have to be here with my family and deal with all this, this stuff, this unwanted baggage and everything. And so um, one day <laughs> um, I, I ran so far that I got into trouble legally and it ended up landing me into prison. Um, yeah. Oh, wow. Look yep. at that. Yep. And it wasn't even like the, the worst criminal charge. It was because I was running from paying the fines. So my probation officer, she, by the grace of God, because she was one of the toughest parole officers to have for whatever reason, I guess, um, because I was at that point um, when I went to prison, my church family had, because I did eventually find God and I found the home church and they, um, the pastor who was the presbyter over um, our state, um, he ended up contacting the judge and, and everything. And so I was released like almost immediately, uh, which rarely ever happened. <laughs> um, and so, so, but when I came out and when she found out that I had been doing all this com- like voluntarily community uh, activism, which at that time I had started in my first business, uh, which was a nonprofit called Glow, Growing Lives One Day at a Time. And it was a, a drug treatment um, uh, and drug treatment and prison reentry program. So we worked and partnered with the drug courts and with the the drug treatment facilities where we actually would go in the prisons and help them transition out and provide them the community resources that they need from transportation to clothes to everything. Because, you know, we felt it was better to be, you know, you already have these stigmas on your past. And it's already roadblocks in front of you. So really, um, the goal was to try to eliminate as many obstacles as possible so that they could actually um, feel empowered to start a new life. We made sure that we provided them with job opportunities that took on um, people with criminal background records, all of those things. So a lot of those things in the program, I have been, I have been through every single one of those struggles. You know what's funny, though? So um, you're telling me about the pain and the struggles and instead of getting a, a job that's going to get you lots of money, you went 
into trying to help people, um, which I, I really commend you for because that's not easy. Um, when you're trying to get out of bad situation, we all want to rely on money. Mm -hmm. And that's not ever the solution. The solution is really what you've done, which is you go backwards and, and you deal with the issues by helping other people deal with the issues. Yes, I, I relied on my faith because I didn't know where the money was going to go. Not that fast. But what I did know was that I had enough ambition in, uh, inside of me that I've, I was evaluating the odds. I said, okay, well, got a criminal background record now. Um, so it's not going to be as easy. You know, you're not the type of person that's going to be content to work at Walmart. Like, you, you know what I mean? You've already have experienced a certain income bracket. So it's kind of hard. You know, it's going to be a setup for failure. That's how I was like evaluating this. Situation. So what did you do before that to make money? Because we haven't reached, broached on that one. So what, what was the, how did you support yourself? Well, um, during that time, I would travel a lot um, as a model coach as well. So, and that's another reason why I was able to escape. And it was a clever cover up because that lifestyle, <laughs> it was very fast, 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 fast paced, very party-ish um, atmosphere. And it was actually more acceptable in that circle to have certain habits or whatever the case may be, because everyone, I'm saying everyone, but a large percentage, yeah, uh, was like, that's it, <laughs> you know, so I didn't even realize it was a problem for many years because um, I was functioning. And so from the outside looking in, it, it looked like I had this this great life. I did have a great lifestyle, but oh my God, inside, I was still broken. Um, I, it was still battling a lot of dark, you know, dark periods in my life. And um, so one of those pit stops, like I said, was coming back and then falling into the, the trap that I set for myself back in Ohio, where I had to deal with the things um, from that way. And so that forced me to um, get myself, it, it was a, I can't even tell you, doctor, that we think we are in touch and in tune with humanity's sorrows and problems until it's like boom, right there in our face. And so going to prison, I believe God didn't want me to stay, but he definitely wanted me to get, I open, the eyes open to what he was really calling me to do. And when I went into that prison, I got to see over 5,000 women on cots, including myself. And I got to doing the math one day, you know, he's just like, look at how many women are here. I want you to count. And 90% of the women were mothers. Wow. So then so I, how many kids are left? Right. That's what, that's what hit home for me because also when I went in during that time, it was during the holidays too. And I remember feeling mm -hmm. so ashamed of myself as a, as a, as a mother, as a woman, like I really let myself down this time, you know, and now my, my kids, my daughters have to watch this, this, this thing. Right. And so, um, the guilt, the way I was able to deal with the guilt was right then and there inside of the prison as, as I start, I was able to start helping the woman there. So those that couldn't write home letters to their family, I started writing letters for them. I started hosting Bible studies in there. That's how I found myself being able to cope with my own problem. Because I'm there too with the problems. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, so what am I going to do? So within that first week, I just, I started out with just two girls. Uh, the next week, I had five girls. That following week, the word got back to the chaplain. I was working in the uh, in the in the head of the prison's office. Like, you know what? Come here. 
So even and then, that guy's favorite was on me. Six weeks. Uh, six weeks. So you got to make all of that. It reminds Actually, me. less than six weeks. It was, it was a month. I'm sorry. It was four weeks because I was released um, through the court. Uh, I forget what it's called. I should remember what it's called, but it's something where the judge can have you released immediately. That's I was released uh, like out the blue immediately. Yep. So even in that situation, it was through the obedience in the suffering. And I didn't know what I was doing. I, I had no idea. I just knew that I needed something to cope with what was what was happening. Um, and prisons, they keep you isolated. So I will never forget that feeling of remembering what the shackles felt like and going down this gloomy, dark road that's super far from anything. And so you just know that I knew in that moment my life never the same. I said, I'm going in this person, but I know I'm not going to leave out who I was. And it turned out to be one of the the worst, best things that happened to me because it completely shifted. It brought me down to humility because I went from having this jet setting lifestyle <laughs> to all of a sudden I'm there with like Jesus, with the broken, with the 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 poor, with with the people that society has written off and, and cast as off as no good. But I knew said so if I can make it out of this God. Whatever you say, you got my full attention now. So um, from there, I um, focused on the nonprofit organization. I grew that in partnership with my church at the time. The same people that helped get me out, I ended up, they ended up putting me in all these offices, sponsored me um, in the building of the church. And so I got to work. I, I rolled up my sleeves and I got to work. I said, well, I know we can't help everybody, but those that are ready for change, we're here for them. And so um, it got to where uh, the judges and the, the chief of police started inviting me and my organization to uh, speak. I was featured all over the news in Ohio. I was not looking to be celebrated, but apparently this was needed more than I knew because Ohio um, drug addiction rate with opiates is one of the top in our countries. So the, the chief of police were getting involved because they were like, we need these programs. We don't have this resource. So I was adding value, um, lo and behold. So, but at some point, um, because I wasn't working, it was pretty much, I was doing all this volunteer work. Um, I ran out of money. So I did kind of lose hope things, the doors, the well was running dry. And so that's really funny, or I shouldn't say funny, but you know, you're, you're living, uh, a life. You're really blessed inside. Yes. Um, and then all of a sudden, oh, well, where's the finances coming from? And that's the real test of your faith. It's not knowing what's going to happen tomorrow, but having faith that's going to be for your blessing. And so that's a rough time to get through because you don't know what tomorrow is going to be. like. You don't know how you're going to pay for your food tomorrow, but you know that there's a bigger purpose. So mm -hmm. it's trying to figure out how to put those things together. So then what'd you do next? So then my pastors um, at the time, um, which were a few that I had as my mentors during that time, they actually were the ones that encouraged me because I had been starting, like I said, to go to Florida um, because my modeling career was also still in the background of things too. So um, they were saying, they it was confirmed to them. They were like, you know, I hate to see you keep, you're so selfless. You're more selfless than the people we know that have money. Like, you know, and here you are, you don't even 
have it and you're doing more for our community than people that do. They say, well, you know. That's awesome. I commend you again for that. That's great. You know what was was taboo was because I was modeling, but also a leader in the ministry um, community. So that's interesting, too, because there was a conflict behind the scenes going on where I was being um, that were judged for being in the modeling industry, too. So because I was a leader in the the church organization, I was coming underneath a lot of um, um, judgment where they were, I, I guess, just saying that I would have to choose, basically. They were like, well, you're going to have to choose one or the other. And I didn't feel that that's what God, like, I really, really prayed about it. And and I was like, I, during that time, Whitney Houston had passed. And so that touched my life, too. And I said, well, what if there's a woman that I'm supposed to be helping come out of this in the modeling industry? And I said, I told my pastor, I said, I don't think, I know you guys are telling me, but I don't think God is telling me. So I had to ask for the first time, stand up to the leaders in my, I was very scared. because I had to go up against them that were my main support. And uh, so eventually my pastor, he said, you know what? He cried and he said, Go. Can't flip your wings forever. Yeah. <laughs> she was like, go. He was like, I know. He's like, how many times? I have been prophesied in since I was a little girl that I was meant to live in Florida. I've always knew that God had a home for me in Florida. I didn't know why. I didn't know how. But I knew that it was in my destiny. And then my pastors, they got behind me and they blessed me. They gave me their blessings. They said, okay, you can go. Go. Do Follow your, your heart. So I did with their blessing came down here and that's what happened. I ended up taking it more seriously, the model coaching. So I took some of the drug treatment elements to it and I was helping the girls behind the scenes, you know, with uh, continuing to provide them opportunities, but also becoming their mentor and saying, look, you know, stay away from these pitfalls in the industry, stay away from these people. If you really want to be taken serious as a model, this is the direction you have to stay focused on. All that partying and nightlife, it's a very clever distraction. So moving forward from there, um, it was still a little rocky because I didn't know where I was going to land on my feet. I didn't come here with a plan, which I don't advise any. <laughs> but um, for me, someone who has always been tenacious and cut from a different cloth, I was able to get through. Um, but I don't advise people to do it that way. Um, I had enough support initially where I was able to stay with one of my girlfriends in one of her huge houses in Miramar and get my feet up off the ground and start looking for work. Um, from that point, the first couple of years, I went to different jobs um, and I just knew still it wasn't for me. I always, not to say anything, I listen, I'm, I love to be, um, to be a staff support and I, I think it's a blessing to have income. Um, as an employee. So I'm never one of those entrepreneurs that feel that, oh, you shouldn't still work a nine to five, especially if it's going to bless and, and and help you move forward in your career. Um, but I just knew those particular jobs weren't aligned with where I needed to go. It wasn't fulfilling to me. So I kind of bounced around a little bit. And then I stumbled into um, the spa business. I One day I received an opportunity to open a salon in a spa. And that's a big difference from going from where you started, right? Dealing with drugs and abuse. And then the next thing, dealing with all the drug 
problems in the modeling career to yes. now a medical yes. or not a medical spa, a spa in general. Yeah. So that that's amazing that someone even called you. So, you know, you have a bigger purpose and, and that's what this telling you, right? So yeah. that higher energy, that divine energy is saying there's more for you. You know why I thought I could do it? Because I had absolutely no background at all in salon or spa. You know what I was thinking. I just keep trash. But you know why I thought I had a possible chance of being able to make it was because I was so heavily involved in the modeling industry. And something myself, as well as all the models, we were always going to get spa treatments and stuff. So I was like, this could work. I know a lot of women. Like this cool. So that's what I thought. Like that's and and then of course it didn't jump. How many of them kids you see you in? <laughs> Well, it's for that transition to happen, because the first uh, year I went 80 grand in the hole in my first investment. And I say it probably not with my chest out because oh, I learned a lot behind that and that first initial investment. Um, and I'm glad, though, that I stuck it out. So glad most people quit before they even really get off the ground running. Um, so I'm glad that, yes, there were some times I had to pause. And not just pause because of the financial and cost of it, but also personally, I was still dealing with things. My mom was dying unexpectedly and I had to pause the business, which turned out to be a blessing in disguise because I had that last few, four months to spend with her that I didn't know was my last time with her. And um, so the debt forced me to have to pause, <laughs> you know, and focus on her and move her down here and help her to uh, her her. Her last time wishes she wanted to be buried here as a Caribbean. So I was thankful that I was here already to pave the way to honor her in that way because that's what she wanted. Um, so, um, so dealing with that, becoming a full time caretaker, um, and having hospice in my home, my life went you know upside down with that. And then of course still being a mother and dealing you know with teenage, I had teenagers at the time. So um, that was difficult because, of course, you know, with children, um, and this is something else that I as a testimony to within my life as a mother, was when your children watch you come up making bad decisions or mistakes, they will hold it against you. Just so you know. Oh, yeah. Just so you know. So I thought that whenever I did have money, I would just kind of throw it at them, hoping I would could buy and fix the problem that way. And it was not to be fixed that way. How I was able to end up fixing and healing not just my my relationship with my daughters, but also my mother and the rest of my family was having to go through that seasons of isolation, being here alone first, having to get with God to understand the assignment for my life and why he truly sent me out. You know, because I always compare it to wandering around like the children of Israelites. You know, I was I was slave. I was enslaved where I came from. Um, unfortunately, the environment, the atmosphere and the family dynamics, I, you know, I operated from a very um, low vibrational mindset. And so coming here, it began to help me get around other people and to see, you know, like, oh, wait, that's well, wow. <laughs> I might need some, some more, you know, healing to do. So I eventually was able to get into therapy. I'm still in therapy. I'm a proud therapy goer. I, I believe in it immensely because, um, you know, back, I think um, 
in America, just in general, not it has nothing to do with race. I just think that therapy was not something that was recognized for mental health, coping with mental health issues. And even if you've never come from background of where you have these traumatic, crazy things happening, just as a human being, life be life in, right? You know, and it happens out the blue. You know, we go through different things in life and we don't really realize how the impact that it's having on our lives because we're just, we're survivors by nature, right? So we're just so busy being in survival mode that we're just trying to get back up so we can, or some of us not even get back up, you know? But what I, I do have a big important note when we talk about therapy because um, our society kind of makes you feel like you're weak if you need to get therapy. Um, but the other component to therapy that I always want to tell people about is just because it's a therapist doesn't mean it's the right therapist for you. And sometimes the same way you should interview someone for a job, you need to interview your therapist. You, you should interview your doctor. You need to make sure that what they're thinking is compatible with you. I've had therapists in my life that I didn't get along with at all, but they happened to be the best therapists mm. ever. And then there was therapists that I got along with, and that was the one I wanted to go to. Why? Because they agreed with everything I say. So and not necessarily that you have to like them, but you have to know where they're coming from. And you do need to put work in because not every therapist is good for everything. So I just wanted to bring that point out because I think it's very important for people to recognize that everybody can use a little bit. And mm -hmm. mostly because when you're talking to a therapist, they don't hold it against you. Mm -hmm. You talk to your family, they're still your family. Mm -hmm. They're going to still, they live with you. Mm -hmm. They're going to have to see you again. So mm -hmm. that weighs on them. Whereas if you're telling a therapist, once you leave the office, it's gone. Yeah. And I'm so glad that you brought that up too. That, that is very, very good. Uh, points to, to point out. Um, I'll, I'll have to use that same rule when it comes to chiropractors. Too. Just go to any chiropractor. You have to go to a healer. And I feel the same way with the therapy, but the way you put it was uh, was very well spoken, um, for sure, because the therapists I have now, actually, um, one of the criteria for me was that they're faith-based. So that was, that eliminated, you know, thanks. <laughs> So I took my time in researching that element first. And then um, my first therapist, he was he was super cool, but then somehow he disappeared um, for whatever reasons. And then now my second therapist, he actually, we actually bumped heads. It's funny that you say that. We actually bumped heads. And um, I was like, you know what? Forget it. But it was funny because I knew before that it was time for me to continue forward with my healing. But here it was. This was a test. Curveball. Oh, how bad do you really want it? So there was this excuse because, well, you know, we, we just had a clash in the fall. So this ain't the therapist for me. <laughs> so right, I'm really just And then not knowing that this really was. So but the spirit kept waiting on me for weeks after that. And then finally, when I was able to get my insurance back in place, just randomly out the blue, I unblocked him. And that's the way, you know, that I appreciate the tough love. Can I come back? He's like always. And I have been the work that he has had me doing in room groups. I can't even go to work the rest of that day. I, I had to learn, like, you need to take off, to the, you know, on the days you go because it's so, 
it's it's getting it's going in so deep that you I got you got to get to those areas. Yeah, now. You know, I, I did the same thing. Like we we're talking about when I'm writing my book, and, and I had to go to those areas that I thought I was healed. Yeah, and now I'm tearing up thinking about it. They're hurt, um, in our tests. Mm-hmm. Um, they build us. They they help you persevere. They give us that foundation to get to that next step. And if you don't have that hurt, you don't have those tests, you don't have a testimony. Amen. Yeah, you know, I would say this is another thing why and when people are meeting me in today's season, they're like, oh my God, you know, they're they're so enamored by the woman I am today. But I I have to always, always, I don't like for people to um because I feel like it leads us into the ego. You know, we get into this false pride and we forget that God did it for us. We didn't do it alone, you know? And so I... And that's another thing. We never do. So even if you're not a spiritual person, and now for me, that's huge. I want to make everybody a spiritual person. I think we all need to have that connection with our energy force. But I, I think to think that you can do it alone, you can never do it alone. You always need a support system. When I was in um, medical school, I went to medical school twice. First time, I didn't have a support system. And I continued on with my life like I wasn't even in medical school. And I partied like crazy. Uh, got someone pregnant, couldn't deal with it. Couldn't mm. deal with the emotional impact. Wow. Um, and as a result, didn't do well in school. I was academically dismissed. Started myself all over again. I got accepted that the day I, I went to two appeals processes. And what I did for myself was I, I, I gave the board, which is 12 doctors, I gave them a sample handout like they give us to study for a test. Mm-hmm. And I was showing them how they're the way they teach their doctors isn't good. Mm-hmm. But I was proud of what I did. Okay. And in there, I showed them how I think it would be better to learn, which is through case studies. And, yeah. right? you know, this is the problem. And then this is how you sit instead of memorizing a textbook. So I showed them and they were so annoyed. Like, we're a hundred-year-old medical school. You're telling us that we should be teaching our medical school? Get out of here. Right. And I went back to my appeal, and their, their first question was, I had a whole other handout ready for them. And they're like, well, why should we let you back in? Like, you didn't change anything from last week. Right. You know, you're blaming your failure on us. Mm-hmm. Again, that's where that ego comes in. Mm-hmm. But you know what? That denial was what changed because when they didn't give me a back way in, I said, okay, the same day I walked over to the registration department and I joined the PhD program for exercise physiology and for nutrition. And I did that for around three months. Then I reapplied to medical school. I got reaccepted into my medical school. And then I got accepted into another medical school in Chicago. And I decided, you know what? I'm not going to make the same mistake twice. Yeah. So I went to the medical school in Chicago. And that's how I started my medical career. So I had three conscious support. And second, I, I'm in I the medical. Built my support system because I didn't have it. Mm-hmm. And the funny thing is, so as I'm in medical school the second time around, I was having some issues personally. So all of a sudden, my grades started to waver. I'm like, whoa, what's going on here? So I went to the school uh, priest, and he he did a test evaluation because he's like, oh, it sounds like test anxiety. Because I don't think this is what it is. I'm telling him, I'm telling this guy, this is, it sounds like test anxiety. And he's like, um, 
No, you usually don't make it to medical school with test anxiety. Okay. You usually get that way before. <laughs> so he's like, but I'm going to give you the test. They came back that it had nothing to do with test anxiety. It was all anxiety. And I. From and what? I'm sorry. From my, my, my life experiences. So what ended up happening to me was I bottled up all my issues of my childhood. Mm -hmm. And so I had a great family, but they were not very affectionate. I needed affection. So I bottled up my unhappiness about affection. And at that time, I was in a relationship. And it's where my anxiety came from because it was this emotional connection. Now, this was different. I thought I was happy with this woman and I wanted to be with her. Then I had all these inner anxiety issues. I didn't know where they were coming from until I found out from my therapist. It was my first session with my therapist. Now I'm struggling with school and I can't afford not to do it again. Right. right, right. And my therapist is saying, oh, we got to go back and talk about your issues with your parents. And I'm like, look, we can talk about that later. I have to do better on my tests. Right. right? I didn't want to go through this whole process. But it ended up being because I bottled up those feelings. And now those feelings were coming up again. That I had to bottle those up again, but I couldn't do it in life. What happens, I, that's where the anxiety came from. Bottling things up that I couldn't bottle up. The therapist opened up those can of worms. Starting from my childhood, we had to cry a lot together. Then the next step was coming up with the issues that were going on now with my current relationship at that time, which was all stemmed from me bottling up my feelings from before. And I wasn't in love with this person that I was trying to get myself in love with. Took the issue was. And that had an impact on my life. Wow. And you, so you, th that's wow. why I say therapy. Is so important. I still talk to that therapist today on more of a friendly basis because mm -hmm. she's only deals with people. Have close to um, but that's really how I started to realize your past really impacts what you do today. A lot of people think it's over, but it's not. It's never over. It's in life is constant trial. It's mm -hmm. a constant test. You build testimonies every day. You just got to understand where that hurt's coming from and build your life to fix it. And yes, I think that has to become your mission. Exactly. Or at least part of your mission. And, and I find that most people that have been through really hard times, that's where their purpose comes from. Yeah, um, I, I definitely agree. I mean, not to say that, you know, I think we as humans, you know, God's given us free will. And so, which is where our mistakes come from. Yes. <laughs> well, for failure, basically, right? So it's like, even, like I, even, like I was mentioning earlier, even if your background isn't, you know, horrific or dysfunctional, you can come, been born with the silver spoon in your mouth, you know, and then life could be going great. You know, how many times I've heard where someone's life was perfect and then boom, out of nowhere. Everything just just hits the loss, grief, financial loss, like you name it, some everything. So even then, like you can start off great and then end up like I wasn't even ready for this because I'm so coddled. You know what I mean? So it's 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 a test. It's it's, it's so many tests. And um, but again, I, I have no um, no shame because that is where Satan tries to keep us. Um, from growing, um, if he can keep us in the in the shade of our past and close about it and and not be open to it, oh no, you know that's a skeleton in my closet. Um, instead of being like, you know, what? I'm gonna air out my dirty laundry because you can't use it against me. This is what helped me become the person I am. 
I'm not for everybody and I'm not for every opportunity, but what God has for me and no man clothes. And that's, that's where I've come into where I've accepted that when people, places, and things, um, when it's, when it's, I used to be very difficult to close the door on, on people in, um, in situations, just period. And so I learned what self-love was really about through going through the healing and making sure that my cup is so full, overfilled, because that's what God also says is to, he wants to fill our cups to overfilling. And doesn't mean that you take that half a cup and pour it out. It means that your cup is overfilling and that with that overfill, then now you can go out and share with the rest of the world those blessings and the fuse of the, of the Holy Spirit. And I think that's where a lot of us get it wrong, especially as I, don't, I can't, I'm not a man, so I can't speak, but I know as we women, we're constantly wearing all these hats, you know, especially in today's where most women you're going to find are now in the work space, uh, workforce and career orientated. Um, and so we're wearing all of these hats and then still have to um, be, uh, be family orientated. And uh, I, one of the biggest blessings, I think my biggest achievement in life is not the titles that I have received or the, or the business opportunities, I think my biggest achievement thus far has been um, in the healing process, finding that peace within myself and um, healing that little girl that was broken and couldn't protect herself and um, being able to balance that. Okay, so what does that look like now? Okay, I have all these jobs, positions and titles and, and titles that we wear, but how do you balance that? And I have found, I've talked to more and more people, my clients, my peers, people, just even, I was just having that conversation just even with your staff on the way out uh, to grab my other phone. And she's like, wow, you do a lot. And she's like, how do you do it? I said, balance. She said, yeah. And, you know, so like that word balance is like, it's almost like an epiphany, like kind of thing where we don't realize just how much of a prize that is to accomplish. And I'm not going to say I get it perfect because I don't. But what I have learned is how to set, what are my, what is my biggest, what it means the most to me? What's most important? Okay, well, my peace. Because if I'm not careful with that, that can, I can, that I can give that away or I can let someone take it away. So that's, that making sure that's always in place. And then two, when it comes to balancing multiple businesses, um, especially dealing with the influence of clients and sometimes where clients um, will push your boundaries too. They could be needy, you know, at times. Um, but just setting boundaries where I used to work, be such a workaholic, escaping, right? That I used to answer every call, every text, no matter what time of day or night it was. Now it's, okay, look, you only get the best of me from this and this time. That's it. I'm not going to respond anymore. It, it can wait. It can wait. I had to learn what things could really wait. And um, also, even when it comes to my family, like being um, being a light in my family is something that I don't take for granted. I think that's also one of my biggest achievements because it's something that we didn't grow up with and see. And to be the one that I guess Granny was right after all, you know, she said you were the one, and I'm like, whatever. Can't <laughs> about not knowing that. Life is going to bring me full circle, be the one to be the light to continue to help lead others out of uh, the slave mindset. And again, when I mean slave, I don't, it has nothing to do with race or anything. It just means um, if the, 
being a slave to um, dysfunction and things that aren't serving our higher purpose. And so I, it's something that I thank God for every day for um, being strong enough to, um, to help, to help my family, but without um, messing with my boundaries, my personal boundaries. So say, for example, if someone called me, whether it's a friend or a family, and it's uh, one o'clock in the morning, chances are I'm not going to answer the phone anymore. Or if I do, I'm going to get at you. Why are you contacting me at this time of the night? You know, if it's not an emergency, why are you calling me with this drama or this conflict? This is not mine. Right. I battle. You know, so I'm very clear now. I, I'm able to articulate myself and say, well, this is not what's serving me. This is, you can call me selfish, but I know my heart. God knows my heart. And so that's all that matters to me. And so even when it came to me and you meeting, whatever, and you've been giving, um, providing some wonderful opportunities uh, for networking and growth um, and expansion. And even as, as, as much as I wanted to jump, because the old me is a jumper, I would, well, would have been met me when we first met. But today, as, as the person I've grown into, I'm able to say, well, you know what? Um, again, what God has for me is for me in the, the divine time. And then God knows what I'm dealing with behind the scenes and trying to make sure that I balance out. And so that's why I was like taking the time to say, hey, well, this is what's going on because I don't want you to think I'm blowing you off um, either. Um, but knowing if I'm not careful, I can get too ahead of, ahead of myself right. without finish eating what's on my plate. Let me finish eating. Because sometimes our eyes have a tendency to be bigger than in our stomach, <laughs> like, you know, it's like going to the buffet restaurant and want to eat all this food and don't even get past the second plate, you know. Speak for yourself on that <laughs> I'm going second or third. I kind of like the Brazilian steakhouses, but I don't turn that card over. <laughs> I put those places out of the thing. Yeah, that's some of the, the things that I've learned to have boundaries for myself to not get ahead of myself. Matter of fact, don't even get ahead of God. Don't get ahead of him. You know, finish organizing and structuring what you have first. Because I think with us as creatives, we just want to do everything. I know I, I I feel like I'm good at so many things and I have already done so many things. But what have I done the best? What have I, what do I do well? Well, what do I do well? What do I, what, what do I do good? What am I getting good at? Is just being able to balance out all the roles and being able to spend time with my daughters, my grandkids, my family. Without feeling guilty, thinking, oh my God, I gotta do this, I gotta do that. Cause that's, I, that's how I used to feel. Oh my God, no matter how much money I was making, I felt like it was still never enough. And so I was missing out on being present. You weren't you are living for the journey. You were living for the experience at the end of the journey. Right. The journey is the most important. Right. So right. if you were to say three um, most important things for success, so you spoke about having a plan. Mm -hmm. Um, you spoke about making sure you work on yourself. What would you say would be a, another important? Something that you actually touched on. And I think we hear about it all the time, but I don't think people really realize the significance of how important it is to have a support system. And if you don't have one, important, like you also mentioned, to go and build one. Because a lot of times, you know, if you've never been a doctor before, right? How do you know where to find these people so you can get around like-minded people that's going in the direction? Well, it's what are those steps look like? Well, it takes you going to medical school. 
or going to the college campus base itself, getting around other students that have the same general, you know, career objective. And so then you start to build your support because now you have study, you know, buddies and things like that, you know, instead of other friends that may not, not to say that they may be bad, but that's just not a common goal you have them at that time. And so building your um, support system, that's something that has gotten me through every, I think, dark spot in my life was God always sent me um, at least one person who that person ended up hoping to open the doors to the the support that I really needed. But having a, a strong support system, building one, if you don't know how to build a support system, I would say look at what your overall goal is first. You have to get clear on where you want to go first in life. If you don't have that clarity for yourself, you're just going to be um, persuaded and misled to and fro like the wind, you know, um, and not really knowing where you're going in life. And I think that's one of the biggest reasons why people are so unfulfilled and unhappy in their lives. And then they have all this time now to be jealous of those that are pursuing their career dreams because they are lacking this for themselves. Well, okay, so how do you find it? Well, first, you have to be willing to do that self-evaluation. And I believe the healing plays a part in being successful in business as well, because um, being, being, being an entrepreneur or a business owner, your person, your, your character gets tested along the way. Often. Often. <laughs> and so you, so here it is, you, you know, you want to, you want a million dollars to manage, but you don't even know how to manage a thousand dollars. In your personal life, you don't even have a budget in your personal life. How you going to manage your budget in your, you know what I'm saying? So this is like one of the things that got me together. How I ended up going into the credit repair and all of those things is because I lacked financial education. Of course, you know, I was financially illiterate. I knew how to make money. I knew where the money was at, but I didn't know how to keep it. Right. And everybody's going to take it, right? <laughs> Nobody's stuffing it back in your pockets. <laughs> You know, so, um, so those taught me a lot of things. And even when I had got my first round of good credit, I still trashed it because I wasn't trying to access to all this new money. And I was like, shit. Yeah, this, like kind of stuck for a minute and was like, okay, so how would you, how is it that you are one of the fortunate people know how to get grants, know how to get loans, know how to fix the credit, but yet you over here going backwards. I don't take it lightly because most people don't have access to those resources. Like the average person doesn't really understand the credit repair process and um, the different things along the way to prevent that from going back into, you know, into default. And also where the money is at. You, you get what I'm saying? Like the community resources that are available to help fund, to help start up businesses, to help get a personal loan, all of these things. And I'm like, it's a slap in God's face if you're taking it for granted. Because he's he called you, he put you in this lane, and it's a lane that's that it's is 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 not um common, you know, it's not as common, you know, of a lane. So you know, stop minimizing that it's a gift. God gave you knowledge that's priceless, you know. And so, um, using that to get back to helping myself again, stop putting the business first. I wasn't even on payroll. At first, like, I don't even know, like, oh, I thought Kevin kept saying, you know, payroll. Now, you know, I would never make that mistake. Yeah, I would never make that mistake again. You have to pay yourself first um, and things like that. So, 
But yeah, definitely as an entrepreneur or anything you decide to do in life that's worth achieving, you will have to know that it's going to, things are going to come up. Matter of fact, even, you ever notice when you get ready to do something really significant, like this falls apart on you? Always. Always. But why we act so shocked, though, when it happens? Well, it's not that that we're shocked. It's that we have to deal with it. And, And that's where your faith is getting tested. That's where your relationships get tested because you're the only one that knows how it's going to end up, mm-hmm. right? And everybody else is like, well, what are you worried about that for? Like, you got to fix this now. But <laughs> no, it's coming. It's coming, yeah. you know? And when you go through those times when something big is going to happen, at least I feel you have to be prepared for that. Like you said, you got hit with a whirlwind of money. You didn't know what to do with that. Mm-hmm. So if you didn't get tested, if you had that test, mm-hmm. you wouldn't have built this career even out of fixing other people's issues with how to deal with money so everything has a reason we just have to see what that is now what you know um we all say ask god for you know for more blessings more 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 right instead of how to fix what i got (laughs) i I have to learn that too like you know um you know what god i don't i don't need to be a millionaire right now if i wait my turn because i still didn't learn where i where i was at you know, here it is. You know, I I I managed to get to quarter of a million dollar houses and homes and and living in very you know affluent neighborhoods, but was still struggling. You know, so I knew how to get it, but I didn't know how to budget it and maintain it. And the money was there because I remember talking to my kid with asset. Like I know I make a lot of money, and it wasn't until I got real started familiarizing myself. And getting clear with my budget. Now I sit down every week with my finances. Every day I'm looking like, okay, checking to make sure that everything, that there is more coming in than going out now. And things can wait, you know, and, and, and certain things. This is what's most important. You know, my daughters, my, my grandkids having insurance. Right. Things that I didn't was taught to have, like making sure my legacy. Are we just think happy. we always just think it's going to be there, right? Proud, you know, proud. Oh, if I if I work today, my legacy is going to be there tomorrow. No, no, that's not how it is. Because I've seen it, money come and money go, and that's why I don't um, idolize people that seem to appear as if they've already have arrived to a certain destination, because um, they say money can't buy happiness. Well. I don't know that it can't. I think that it can buy a semblance of it and then it's up to you to... Well, it buys you the tools. To, the tools right. to it. And then, then it's up to you if you utilize the tools towards your inner peace and happiness. But what I will say is that you never know that the same person that's driving that Ferrari or that exotic car, they, they could be getting... It's getting repo. But you over there trying to cover it after them and what they got. Why You don't even know what stress factors they got wrong right. with that. A lot of times, yeah, they are so unhappy. Yeah. They're going to build the money in the world, but they're not happy. And to me, again, it's living that journey and knowing that you're doing the right thing and the right time and the right people. And that's what makes it all worthwhile. So you do so much. <laughs> um, so what is the best way for people to get in touch with you so they can benefit from your service? Well, I, I always send people over to my Instagram pages. Um, I, we do have websites as well, but I find that the social media is more of the platform where the process is being shown, like the current process. You know, with websites, you still have to like go back six months and update all the content. So Vision with T um, on Instagram, V-I-S-I-O-N 
with spelled out W I T H T vision with T. Um, and then that's for Instagram, you can also check out Spa Ave on Instagram, S P A A V A Y, as well as BWT Consulting Services. That's also on Instagram. Underneath the personal pages um, on Facebook, you can find me um, on Facebook as Tanisha Ave um, if you want to connect there. And then, um, of course, like I said, underneath those business names, you should be able to pull up the websites and all the other platforms that we're on as well. But I always like to direct people to the Vision with T because from there, I do have some automation and some freebies and resources that I love to give away um, and connect with my community that um, I'm building there on the platform. Excellent. This is this is great. Um, we kind of did this last minute, so I appreciate you giving me the time. Um, so if you had to say one last sentence to people that are listening, what would that be? I would say that you're not alone. If you feel as though you may be going through a dark time right now, like it sounds good, right? It sounds good to hear other people stories of what they've been through and how they got past it to become who they are. But you might still be in a space where um, you're not feeling motivated enough. You might not be feeling um, in a space where you can encourage yourself. I would say um, I will encourage you to, if you can't do anything else, to think about if you weren't going through this current obstacle right now, where would you be at? If there was no nothing to keep you from getting to your final destination, what would that final destination look like? And the reason why I encourage you to envision what that final destination would look like is because it's in there that you're going to start to find a glimmer of hope. You're going to find that glimmer of excitement that you may not have today in today's current events. So when you can begin, begin to create a new reality for yourself and, and start to envision, and even if you can't vision, get in your car, Go to a different neighborhood that you would like to possibly live in, but haven't been exposed to it. Just get in your car and just ride. Just go there and start to envision. You have to really be able to see things sometimes because we're stubborn as nature. But once you begin to see something, then the other pieces start to fall into place. So if you're in a space right now where, you know, where all this motivation, you're like, whatever, you know, I've heard it a thousand times. It's not working. I get it. I, I get it. It's hard to receive a message if, if sometimes we're not ready for it. But at the end of the day, you have the power. You have the power. You are the author of your life. You have the power within you already. God has already given you what you need to succeed. You just have to be able to just 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 take one moment, one moment to to ask yourself, where are you here and why? Where are you trying to go? so that you can achieve and believe, begin to believe in yourself. And again, speaking from, you know, coming from someone who has been through everything that I believe most women could ever go through in life. And there has been plenty of dark times where I did not know, I had no idea that, um, that I would even be, have a, a chance to live a beautiful life. But something in me just refused to say that this, this can't be it. This can't be all to life. There's got to be something I'm missing here. And if so, if you find yourself in that space where you feel like there's something missing, because there is something missing, it's you. You show up, get up, give yourself a, 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 applaud of, uh, of, um, a round of applause. Be proud of yourself because you know what? You're surviving things right now that you'd have never 
ever think that you could. So start there. All right. Thank you very much, uh, Dr. Dave. Um, thank you for joining us. And I hope you could take some of those little tidbits and uh, make a change in your life. Thank you. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Making the Change, Optimize Your Health and Mind. We hope you found the information and insights we shared to be helpful and inspiring. If you enjoyed the show, please share it with a friend or family member who would also benefit. We believe that the more people that have access to this information, the better equipped they will be to thrive in the next chapter of their lives. Don't forget to subscribe and follow the show so you'll never miss a single episode. We'll be back next week with more expert insights and actionable tips to help you optimize every aspect of your life. Until then, take care and remember to always prioritize your health and well-being.